Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger recognizes the complexities of today's fire ground and the multitude of incidents that require firefighters to step into areas of increased risk. Draeger's firefighting equipment gives you the confidence to concentrate on the task at hand. Learn more at Draeger.com. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. From Hope, BC, I'm Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. Jennifer Gregg has been a dispatcher, volunteer firefighter, inspector, and instructor almost 30 years in the fire service. She's also a certified body language coach and speaker and uh, joins us today from her home in Marathon, Ontario, and welcome to the podcast. Jen, it's great to have you here. Thank you, Tom. I am so excited to be here. It's it's to talk about, and again, I, I'm going to refer a lot to the what you know the topic of the day, and but taking a look at what you've done in the fire service in almost 30 years worth, it's quite an array. Tell us, okay, do the introduction. Tell me, tell me how you got to how this all became, and how you got involved in this crazy business of ours. Um. Well, the fire service I was into from a very young age. I remember seeing a church burn down on my um, street as a kid. And I just knew I wanted to be involved in the fire service. At that point, I thought I wanted to be a fire investigator, but went to school for fire protection engineering and ran away and joined a volunteer fire department. And it kind of just went from there. Where was the volunteer fire department? Uh, it was in Georgian Bay Township. And were you always with one department or did you, uh, did you always be involved with a couple of different ones? I was the first FPO in Georgian Bay Township uh, when it was handed down. The inspection duties were handed down from the fire marshal's office at the time, way back in the early 2000s, I think. So um, I became the FPO then. Uh, it was a part-time thing. And then I left there and I went to Mississauga as a fire inspector and then went back up north to Georgian Bay because it was quite the commute to head down there. And um, yeah, it was just kind of meandered through over the years and then wound up as a fire instructor for the Ontario Fire College. A lot of things have changed over the years. Yes. I'm sure, coming yes. From, from, from the volunteer fire days to into working today. And, and we're talking about body language and, and some of the things we should have mentioned that um, this is the cover story in the uh, firefighting in Canada, August magazine, uh, the article about this and why this <laughs> field i guess because it doesn't it's not the first thing that jumps out when i when i think of uh, firefighters that's just it right it's not something it's kind of like a soft skill right we we train on the hard skills we we train on fire attack and fire suppression and and auto extrication and all that kind of stuff but the the soft skills the people skills the interpersonal stuff is such an important part of any job that you do and any interaction that you have it's, it's kind of incredible that it's not something that we're really taught about unless it's, you know, maybe in leadership or personal development or professional development courses or kind of higher levels where you're in positions where you need to know how to, you know, if you're in a supervisory position or management position. But um, I've always had, I've always been a people watcher because I'm an introvert and I'm one of the oddball, I think, introverts in the fire service. But um, I've always kind of been curious about what makes people tick. And on the other side of things, I've always, I had a lot of uh, struggles with anxiety in the past. So I was, <laughs> I joke about my social awkwardness, which is body language was actually the tool that got me over that, but I'll still have awkward moments and it's just part of my personality. But 
I started studying body language in an effort to overcome social anxiety. And I mean, I've done therapy and all that kind of stuff too, but this was something tangible because we all know how hard it is to change our thoughts, especially because we think the same thoughts over and over again. It's like a, you know, a groove in a record or something. So, and you try and, you know, be positive when you're feeling crappy, it's a hard thing to do, but harnessing your body language or shifting your body language is something that you can do in an instant. And because your brain and body obviously are connected, there's a physiological effect and a connection between your brain and your body. So you can influence your brain and you can influence your body with your brain. So it's, it's just this really cool connection. That was something that was easy and tangible for me to leverage. And it was an easy way to make myself feel more confident. So as an instructor at the fire college, obviously you want to project confidence in, in any leadership role in the fire service. Obviously, if you're standing at the front of the classroom and you're kind of, you know, hiding, how are your students going to react to that? right? There's not a lot of confidence. They're going to wonder if you belong there, what you know, if you have any idea of what you're talking about. So it was something that really helped me find my place at the front of the classroom and, and develop my leadership presence, like my command presence on and off fire scenes. So, and then just studying body language, the more I got into it, the more I realized how much we see that people miss. And when I was actually having a conversation with Laura one day um, and we were talking about the kind of conversation segued into like a bad hire or the wrong hire and how, yeah, wouldn't it be great if people knew this stuff because you would pick up on cues and that would indicate maybe you need to dig a little more or ask a follow-up question. So that's kind of how this all came about and got me to this point and this conversation that we're having. How, and again, coaching, coaching people to do this, who or how are you coaching in terms of, is it the person that does the interview or more so the person being interviewed or both? When I started with my body language certification, my intention was kind of to go in a different direction away from the fire service. But because most of my connections were in the fire service, I actually got requests and referrals throughout the fire service and municipalities asking me to come in and train or do training sessions with firefighters and officers about how to be aware of their body language. Like, for example, if you think you're pretty much an open you know, open door personality or very open and people can approach you. And yet you don't really realize how you actually come across and how that might be inhibiting people from connecting with you. Or you wonder why nobody comes to you with issues. Chances are it's because you think you're being very open, but your body language is not very open and you're just shutting, kind of shutting down. So it started with teaching body language and nonverbal communication to firefighters and then it just kind of spilled out from there. So it's uh, now I'm doing more one-on-one -on -one coaching and just helping people develop their presence and their awareness around body language and how they can be more effective in their communications because we're always sending nonverbal cues back and forth in every conversation you have, right? From facial expressions to what you're doing with your, your shoulders or your head or your hands, your posture, and when you start to understand this, you can be a lot more open and connect on a deeper level and you can read people better. So when you go back to the interview realm, I mean, interviews, what do people do? They basically study the 
behavior questions that they know to expect from firefighter interviews and they memorize their answers and their answers might be on point and very succinct and they have their, you know, everything's perfect. But when you think about how many people you're interviewing for the interviewee, you really need to set yourself apart. It's your personality, right? It's not having, it's not always having the, just the right answers, but from the interviewer's side, it's knowing what to look for or recognizing if you see something about their face, a furrowed brow or the compressed lips or them lean back in response to a question or an answer, you know, there's something else there. I need to dig a little deeper because I think that's where sometimes you could, it could be the difference between a good hire and the wrong hire. I think that these skills could certainly become very important if you will, not just be at the higher level, but I'm thinking throughout the actual employment or when the person's with you. This this speaks to me of you know critical incident stress management. When you're talking to people, you can tell when yeah. you, how, how are you is the question. I'm fine. You can tell yeah. when a person's not fine. That that's got to be the basics. Yeah, I uh, actually wrote a column about that for Canadian Firefighter. I think it was last summer about using body language and mental health awareness. And I've spoken at conferences about this because I used to speak about mental health awareness. And then when I started studying body language, I combined the two of them and taught uh, the one I delivered in BC in Penticton, the presentation I gave there, a lot of it was about how to use body language to take better care of your people and, and not just be okay with the, yeah, I'm fine and be willing to dig a little deeper, not to be invasive, but to be there to support, to recognize when people aren't fine. So it's, it, I think it's, especially with mental health issues, it's, it's hugely applicable and appropriate in that area as well. How important would you think this would be in terms of reading or actually projecting body language when you're a leader, when you're standing up in front of the, of the team and you have to tell them what's going on or where you are, even at a fire scene, that has got to be important to project the right image. Absolutely. And that was something I posed to a group, I think on LinkedIn one day was I was asking how important people thought body language was for leaders in the fire service. It's obviously important, as you mentioned, for everybody, but definitely in a leadership role, because if you're, you're the one, you're the voice of calm, right? You're the, you're the one everybody's looking at to bring down the intensity of the situation. And if you're, if your nervous ticks are showing, if you're pacing, or if you're saying everything's going to be okay, and you're shaking your head, no, your body language accounts for 60 to 93% of the communication. So it's not what you're saying. It's what your body is saying. And that's why it, another reason that it's so powerful, especially for leaders, because you need to invoke that calm, you need to take charge and you need, people need to have confidence in you. You need I've to have it in yourself. I've always, I've always tried myself to, uh, to read a person's voice. You know, when you hear the, the member on the radio or the oh, officer yeah. on yeah. the air, you know what their scene is like when you hear them talk about it, you can tell. Uh, yep. And I've always just made pride myself on the fact that I can tell what's going on before they tell me because you can just listen to them. But I can't imagine that if you had the chance to see them up close and see them in person, that you would have the ability to see what they're, what they've got and what the, how they're dealing with it. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Vocal tone and pace and cadence is another part of the nonverbal communication. It's verbal, but it's, it's your vocal 
equal tone. And, and just like you said, you know, you've got people on your department that they're calm when everything's going sideways and, you know, they're calm on the radio. And then there's other people that the voice just goes up, the intensity goes up and, you know, so absolutely, this is just, it's taking your intuitiveness and, and attention to their voice and adding just a couple more levels to it, right. Of what you can see and pick up from people. So when I'm reading body language, uh, and again, some of the things you talk about in the column, you write in the article about some of the signs and what to watch for. Can you verbally describe some of the, some of the things that are, are giveaways? I mean, this, this is almost like having a poker face and, uh, maybe we're teaching tricks on how to play, play poker. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean. The, the fascinating thing about body language is that it's controlled by our limbic brain. So it's like a direct connection. So it's not going through the prefrontal cortex. It's not something that we're thinking about. Like when I say this, I'm going to do this, or, you know, I'm going to make this facial expression. It's automatic and it's accurate. So it's an automatic and accurate indicator of the emotions that are going on in the body. It's a survival mechanism. It's, it's linked to the amygdala and the fight or flight response. So it's hardwired into us to keep us safe. We, like our cave people days, you had to react. It was your amygdala that kicked in and made you react to the lion or the tiger or the threat. And that's still ingrained in us. So it's, um, it's automatic and accurate. And that's why it's so powerful. This isn't something you can try and suppress it if you know about it, but there will always be like leaks. So something like lip compression, lips are something that is a giveaway every time. So as soon as you see them start to disappear, somebody's holding back something. It could be they've heard something that they don't like or that gives them discomfort. So we, it's like our body is trying to keep us from saying something. Uh, politicians are a good one <laughs> to watch for this. When you hear of the latest scandal and you watch it on the news, you see footage of them, you will see them like their lips will literally be disappearing or Another one is something like if you see a, a mouth pull on one side, which is if you kind of think of a smirk, it looks like that, except it's um, you can tell they're kind of like almost pinching one side of their mouth. It's actually a sign of contempt or disdain. So it's a it's a lingering thing. Right. So the mouth is a really good indicator of something else going on there. So if you ask somebody a question like uh, I think the example I use in the column was you're interviewing a new firefighter and you just tell them, you've just advised them that as a firefighter, you do a lot of public education roles as well. How do you feel about that? If they respond with a quick purse of the lips or a, like a scrunch of the nose, the scrunching of the nose is disgust. Like if you think about smelling a bad smell, it's an automatic reaction. So if you see like a couple of those cues, you can be like, if they answer, oh yeah, I have no problem with that because of what you've seen on their face, you could dig a little deeper and maybe their last inspection was a nasty one. And that's where the reaction came from, or maybe they don't have any interest in pub ed and they're basically telling you what you want to hear. Right. So being able to read body language is, I think in a lot of cases, this is what's missing from maybe human resources training. I've talked to a couple of people in human resources, and this isn't really something they get into. It's not really got, you don't get into it in a lot of fields, I was surprised to find out. So, um, I mean, again, how do you separate the ideal candidates who are all giving you the same perfect answers 
aside from their personality. It's being able to read beneath the surface. So how, how much in control can a person be to suppress this? As you say, it's hard to suppress. It's hard to, because it's a tell. How can, can people control that? Are, are you finding people that would learn to, to hide what they're really feeling by coming across the wrong way? Well, you have to be aware of it first, right? Because we're not taught this and most people aren't aware of this. If you talk about body language, people basically think it's, oh, make good eye contact and have good posture, right? They don't know about everything else that goes along with that. So first of all, you have to be aware of your body language and how to read others. So if you, if you know, you know how to read yours, you can see it in other people and you recognize it. Trying to control it because it's so automatic it's very hard to control, but if you have the awareness of it, you can start to control it. So how it works as an advantage, if you have that awareness and you know, um, you tend to fidget with your hands when you're nervous, you know, you do that in advance, then you can catch yourself and stop yourself from doing it, say in an interview, which is a good thing because it gives you a sense of control because the more nervous you are and the more you fidget, the more stress you're going to have, the more cortisol is going to increase. So being able to stop that is a good thing. So it can be used for good. Um, you can try and suppress it. Like when you try and hold back emotions, like if you're upset and you're trying to hold it back, it's still going to show, right? So it'll still kind of leak out. But poker players actually do look for training along this line so that they can have a poker face and other people can't pick up on their tells. You think that what they're doing in the fire service today, you, know, you watch the hiring process uh, through biometrics, through all of these different levels. It's to a point where the HR side of fire is going to become so more important and so more complex. I mean, where does it go beyond this? Is there another stage that we need to be looking into? This is, this is sorcery. I mean, this is... I'm not sure what the you know, the statistics are, or how much they've changed over the years with the way the hiring methods have changed, and how reliable your candidates are, or what the success rate is. But I would be curious to know when you if a department started implementing this kind of awareness in their HR people in their um, hiring committee, how much of a difference that would make in the reliable re reliability factor of or success rates of candidates, because Again, you can rehearse all the right answers, but it's the it's your body language that really gives you insight into somebody's confidence, their awareness, how they feel. It's the the feelings, right? That really, how do you feel about a situation? How, are you a team player? Are you a solo? Like all of the things that are important to being a, a good, solid member in a fire department or in a hall. These are the things that you that's really what you want to know, right? You can teach anybody to do the job. In my opinion, if they have the attitude, if they have the passion for it, you can teach them what they need to know, but do they have the personality for it? I've I think is a big part of it. So I agree. I often, you know, I talk about in the volunteer fire world and we, we've been focusing in your article certainly focuses on the career side of things, but I can see the benefits in the volunteer fire world. Uh, whereas the day used to be, and I've used up this term many times that my colleagues have used, and you're, you're more than welcome as long as you can fog up a mirror. We want you on the department. And, and things have changed. 
things have changed drastically. It's not just about anybody walking in the door. There is an interview process. It is a job you're not going to be paid for. It's one that you're not going to make a career out of, at least in this community. But at the end of the day, we still interview you. I also tell them, the candidates, the rookies, that you're also interviewing us because we have to fit in with each other. Now, maybe I need to be a pay attention during the interview, not to just to their body language, but maybe my own, to show them yeah. how confident we are and what kind of department and organization we are. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. I was just thinking about how um, it's, I don't think I've been in an interview since I've been studying body language, but it, it would be interesting for me to be on the interview side and to watch somebody else's body language, because I would know how they're reacting to what I just said, which is the other side of it, right? If I give you, you ask me a question, I give you an answer. I know by the look on your face, whether I, you know, check the boxes on the, the resume form that you're checking, whether I hit all the points and whether, you know, you connected with what I said or not. So it's, it's a very powerful thing. And it just amazes me that we don't, we're not taught this. We don't. And yet it's, that's how you first communicate when you're a baby, you don't have words. You look at your parents or your caregiver's face for connection and to start to learn your way through the world. So it's ingrained in us. Even there was a study done between sighted and non-sighted Olympic athletes and non-sighted Olympic athletes demonstrate the same pride and defeat gestures that sighted athletes do. And obviously they've not seen this, right? So it's, there's, it's universal, which is the other thing. Body language is universal across cultures, um, nationalities, everything, men, women. There are some unique ones, certain to certain cultures, but there a mo- the majority of it is, is universal. So another reason why it's so powerful. I think you, you only have to look a little, any further than the animal kingdom. I mean, body language in the, you know, in the, in, in the jungle or out in the Serengeti. I mean, you can tell, I mean, and you think now I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of, yeah, the simplest of, of, of animals are, are emitting body language totally to, to ward off a predator or, or attract a person. It's so obvious yep. and you know, you don't just yeah. Think, wow. That's yeah. Funny. And when you start learning this and seeing it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> so which can be good and bad. Like my husband's been called out on a lot of, a lot of things over the years, but <laughs> <laughs> if you know people are gonna are are, are listening to us uh, to have a read on the column and understand more about it, uh, would you to your advice to people just to take a look at the tips uh, and, and maybe delve further? Can can you can a person get deeper into this and find out more somewhere? Oh, definitely. Um, I my website is jennifergrigcoaching.com and I'm Jenny on a mission on Instagram. Um, but one reference that I highly recommend is uh, Joe Navarro. He's a former FBI expert and, or a former FBI agent and a body language expert. And that is who I predominantly study. I have many of his books. I've had conversations with him, uh, just tons of reading from that point of view, but um, I'm always happy to answer questions or give tips or insight as well. And I just, uh, I kind of geek out on this stuff. So as much as I do with fire, Thank you for doing this today. Uh, it's very interesting, and uh, the read is a good read. If you get a chance to see it, uh, have a look at it, and certainly your contact info is in there as well. So uh, worth uh, worth further discussion. Jen Greg, thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. 
Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger, your trusted safety solution provider. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.